all of our campuses to the third week in our series entitled Overwhelmed. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us right now. So excited to have you guys with us. We are in a three-part, really week three of a five-part series. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this series. I was thinking about uh, different series that I'll teach on. For instance, uh, in July, I did a little bit of end times teaching. Some of you guys asked a question about the end times. And what about the rapture? What about the tribulation? And so there's times when I'll teach series on things from the Bible that I've not experienced. In other words, I'm not, I mean, I've, I've not experienced the end times in the sense of the tribulation, the antichrist. I mean, in other words, these are what's called prophetic things to come. So we're, 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 we're looking into the word, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, 1 Thessalonians, and I'm just teaching from the Bible of things to come. But there's different times. There's different times when I'm teaching through a series about something that's not in the future, something that I've not experienced, but sometimes I'll do a series of something that I have absolutely experienced. So I, 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 I have experienced it firsthand. It's not something that I got off the internet, not something I downloaded some other preacher taught, but it's something that I've experienced. This series, if you're with us for the first time, again, you've come halfway point, this series that I'm talking about being overwhelmed, how to deal with when you feel overwhelmed in life, it's something that I've experienced firsthand. Now, all of us at some point have felt overwhelmed, but there are those of you that have experienced burnout like I did in 2010, where I felt like, man, I'm done. I'm done pastoring this church. I'm done going on the way that I'm doing it because I was overwhelmed emotionally, physically, every aspect of who I was mentally, I thought, man, I am done with this. But I thank God that I've learned some things. I thank God that I got some good counseling. I thank God that I got a good, a good, good coach in my life to help me live differently. Physiologically, I began to work out differently. I began to eat differently. I began to rest differently. I began to do some different habits and biblical principles. By the way, did you know that this book is not just talking about your future, but it's talking about your present? It's giving you wisdom, instruction, how that you and I can navigate life in the here and now. We can learn how to relate to one another. We can learn how to have mental health here and now, emotional health here and now. So I thank God for that. In this series, that's what we're talking about. Here's what we're suggesting. We're suggesting that all of us deal with things. All of us deal with negative circumstances. Those that, quote, get overwhelmed and give up versus those that overcome are often those that have not learned how to do some certain things. Week one, they've not learned how to build sustainable habits and patterns. They've not learned how to build rhythms. We've been teaching from the Bible how to develop healthy rhythms, healthy patterns. For instance, we talked about the difference between our load, everyone say load, and say limit. In the, it's an interesting principle, but there's this principle of margin where, where, where what we're carrying is our load, what our limits are is our capacities. We want to make sure that we're carrying less than our load. Our load is less than our limits. Why is that? For instance, financially, if we are spending more than we have, that's called being overdrawn. How about being overdrawn emotionally? How about when, you, when you're 24-7, 365, even leap year 366, where you're spending more emotionally than you've got in reserves? Then what happens? So we've got to build capacity. We've got to build capacity emotionally and 
physically. So I taught that whole principle week one about loads and limits. Paul said it this way, I don't operate outside the sphere that God's given me. I steward what God's given me, but I don't want to operate outside of that. How many people are burning out, freaking out, frying out because they've not understood that God's given them limits? Last week, I talked about the principle of biblical rest. <clears throat> I, I, I answered the question. Matter of fact, you guys asked me this this summer. I answered the question about the Sabbath. Is it on Saturday? Is it on Sunday? Is it a day? Is it half a day? What is it? And I talked about that biblical principle of rest, how we can build and live a Sabbath life, a life of biblical rest. It's not just one day a week. Of course, there is a day, but it's also building that principle of soul rest. Again, if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to get that, that CD, or you can download any of that stuff as well. Today, I want to talk to you about another holy habit. And I call it a holy habit because it is a habit. It's an art. It's, a, it's, a, it's what I would call a biblical art, an art of developing healthy, godly relationships. I cannot tell you the times in my life when, when, when the bridge was out and I was driving my car. Again, this is just a, an illustration where the bridge was out and I had some friends in my life that said, Steve, you don't want to keep going down that road. Because if you go down that road, I'm telling you, bad things are going to happen. Listen, the bridge is out. If you keep going down that road, you're gonna, I'm telling you, you're going to crash. I thank God that I've had men in my life, friends in my life, that loved me enough, that cared for me enough to tell me the truth in love, but to grab me and to say, Steve, listen, you don't see what's going on ahead. We, we've been there before, and we know that the bridge is out. Is there anybody in your life that loves you enough, that cares for you enough, to confront you enough, to tell you the bridge is out? If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. I want to talk to you about a divine relationship and the power of that relationship and how God puts people in our lives to help us. But we've got to be willing to develop that. We've got to be willing to cultivate relationship. Now, it's interesting. Friendship is something that we hear a lot about. Listen to me. I want to say this carefully. But it's something that I don't believe that we know much about. We hear about it. For instance, let me give you an example. I'm not trying to hate on social media. All right? I'm on social media a little bit. But, but it's interesting. How many friends do you have? I got 78,000 friends. That's what's on my Facebook. Really? 78,000 friends? It's amazing. You are amazing. Make one bad post, you lose 37,000 in one day. <laughs> but, but isn't it interesting how we classify the term friend? Does that make sense? Don't think that's not getting in the psyche of a young kid, right? So their friendship is based upon what? That somebody says they're a friend by, 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 via through a social media relationship? <clears throat> there is tremendous power in friend. True friendship. So there's the word friendship, but then there's the real, the concept of covenant relationship. It's interesting, in our nation, we talk about friendship. Matter of fact, one of the oldest cities in America. It's the city, well, well, there's three different Greek words for love in the New Testament. Do you guys know that? Three words. One is eros, erotic, where we get erotic love from. The other one is agape, that's love, unconditional love, the way that God loves us. But then there's another love, word for love, and it's phileo. Everybody say phileo. And that's emotional, emotive love. It's brotherly love. Does anybody know the city that's named after that word? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. It's the city of what? Say it. Brotherly love. Friendship. So friendship is built into the fabric of our nation that, that we talk about. There's friendship, relationship. But do we really know what it takes to develop that? It's interesting. I was thinking about this week even Hollywood and the different movies 
that so many of them are ostensibly about some other thing, but yet if you go to the, unpack the reality, it's really about friendship. Think about, think about Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, the trilogy there. It's really about friendship. I mean, it could be about conquest, about all these things, but it's really about friendship. How about the Avengers? It's on all these other subplots, but when you really break it down, it's about how you do this thing called friendship. I was thinking about sitcoms. You guys remember, and I wrote some of these down. Here's, how about Friends? The hit theme song, I'll Be What? Boy, y'all are good. Y'all are good. Y'all are, y'all are good with that. How, how, here's another one. All right, all right, now watch this. Remember, it's always about, it, it, it seemingly is about one thing, but it's, but it's actually about this, this, this thing that we are all looking for. You know when you have it. And you know when you don't have it. How about this? You guys ready? Cheers. Well, I'm dating myself now, huh? Okay, here it is. What is the song? Okay, I'm going to start it. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows you're what? Say it. And they're always glad you what? I don't believe that everybody goes to a bar because they're an alcoholic. I believe they're looking for friendship. I think there's a cheaper way called a small group. But anyway, you know, and you can drive home. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying, we're trying to serve you at Church of the King. God bless your ministry. But, okay, so, 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 so just, just listen to me. What is the point there? You want to go, hey, Steve, good to see you. Hey, hey, how, how you doing? Jim, hey, man, good to see you, right? So everybody's got this deep no, need to be known and to know. We're social creatures. That's who we are. We want to connect with one another. God designed us to to have community, to have relationship, not to be isolated, not to be alienated from one another. But if you really want to do this friendship thing right, if you want to do it biblically, it's got to go beyond, watch this, it's got to go beyond just surface, and it's got to go to a deeper level, where, where friendship now becomes something of it's, it's, it's something beyond acquaintance. And it's, there's a depth of caring, sharing, loving, confronting, encouraging, lifting. Oh, man, that is so precious when you find it. So precious. Exodus chapter 18 is one of the greatest examples, in my opinion, in the Bible of a God friendship a divine relationship where we see this principle of caring, sharing, loving, and confronting. And it's about Moses. The Bible says Moses is one of the humblest, the, the most humble man that ever lived, a godly man. Moses is the one that, that, that was on Mount Sinai, right? He, he gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down. I mean, this, was, this, this guy was a big deal in the sense that he spoke face-to-face with God. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says when he came down, his face was, was shining because he, the only other person I know that the Bible alludes that to is Stephen in the New Testament. So this is somebody that talked face-to-face with God. This is a holy man, a powerful man. The, the, I mean, God gave the law and the Ten Commandments to Moses. He was also a leader. He was also a judge. He was an arbitrator. He was, he was somebody that, 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 that decided the disputes and what's right and what's wrong. He also dealt, well, he dealt with issues with neighbors. And your fence is too close to my fence. 
And hold on, your dog keeps running over and doing things on my bushes. And, and, and so he had, to, he had to make some decisions. As a matter of fact, he set up a tribunal court. And the court was, is all the people, they'd line up and they'd come before Moses. And he had a desk. And he'd sit there. And he had a little gavel, I guess. And he'd sit there all day long to the point that he was exhausted, to the point that he was emotionally overwhelmed. He was neglecting his wife. He was neglecting his children. He was neglecting his soul. But he had a friend that had what I call outside insight. And he gave him a word. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18, here's what the Bible says, verse 14 to 18. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit, all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Here they are, they're lining up, they got all these disputes, dogs are running over on people's properties and all this stuff. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. I mean, I'm a man of God, I gotta give them answers. They've got disputes and they've got challenges and there's, there's, there's problems. They're grappling with what's right and what's wrong and who's in, who's out. I mean, come on. Look at the next verse, verse 16. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. I mean, this is, how do you argue with that? So Moses' father-in-law said, the thing that you do, it's not good. It's not good. And I've been telling you why it's not good. You want, you want to know why it's not? What do you mean it's not good? I mean, I'm, I'm talking for God. What do you mean it's not good? Watch this, verse 18. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. <laughs> They're waiting in line all day long, Moses. They're fighting one another and pulling one another's hair before they even get up for you to judge and figure out who's right and who's wrong. It's not good for them. It's not good for you. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Look at verse 21. So then he tells them, look, here's what you do. You need to select from the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Place them over rulers. Just, just do like 50s and 10s and 100s. In other words, here's the deal. You've got to break this thing out, man. You're overwhelmed. And you're assuming too much. You think you're Superman. I don't care if you've talked to God face to face. Let me just tell you something. You talk about Jethro sitting back here evaluating. He's his father-in-law. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes you have great relationships with your in-laws. Sometimes they're outlaws. I mean, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> this was a good in-law, okay? Jethro's back there. Here's what he's doing. Watch this. Talking about friendship. He's watching this. This guy's exhausted. He's finally just getting off work late, 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 late at night. He's going home sleeping, barely getting, getting up in the morning. The guy's going slower and slower. I mean, look, it's not, it's not good. Number one, the people's answers are not even being met in a timely fashion. Number two, you're where, he's where, okay, there's this moment, though. There is a moment. This is real friendship where it comes alive. See, friendship is an encouragement. It's exhortation. But it's also challenge. It's both. True friendship. True friend, when you really care about somebody, okay? I remember when I took driver's ed, 
I was 15, I took driver's ed. I think he used to drive. I mean, kids, I'm sorry. We could drive at 12. But anyway, so, no, 14 and a half. How many of you remember 14 and a half, you get your learner's permit? Y'all remember that? 14 and a half. It's a crazy. So I'm 15 years old. I'm taking my driver's ed from Mr. Burchart. Mr. Burchart. I, I was in, in Metairie, and, and he came to school, and John Curtis, and we, we had Mr. Burchart. All of us were in there. And, and i never forget, he spent a whole lecture one day about one thing. Let me tell you what it was about. It's about this little thing that was over our right shoulder called a blind spot. And he showed us the dimensions of a car. And, and it was really, it was fascinating. And he showed us that, 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 that your, your, your ability that you can see this way and how you can see, because we're riding on this side. I guess in England it'd be flipped, but because we're on this side of the car, on the left side, that your ability that you can see optically, you can see all the way behind you this way. You could swing all the way to this way. But the way that we're designed physiologically, that, that, that there's one spot that's called the what? Everybody say it. Blind spot that you can't see. And that's your danger point. Now, if you have somebody next to you, you can say, hey, man, can I get over? But there's this spot. Now, again, I'm dating myself. This is before, you know, they now have satellite imagery that everything, you don't even have to drive the car. You just get in the car and you just say, on. And now they got cameras all around. But this is like old school. You know what I'm talking about? But there's this blind spot. And Jethro's standing right there. And he's telling Moses, Moses. You got a blind spot. You don't see it. Is there anybody? Is there anybody in your life that's close enough to you to see your blind spot? Is there anybody close enough to you that sees it but also has the Here you go. You guys ready? That also has the privilege of saying it. See, everybody really sees it, but do you, give them, do you give them permission to say it? It's not just seeing it, it's saying it. Gosh, man, I really want to go there. Can, can I go there? Y'all, okay, here it is, here it is, here it is. Or are you too much emotional energy for anybody close to you that if they say it, it's like, I said something once, that was a mistake. <laughs> Come on, are y'all with me? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't do it. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like managing a, what are the things with the porky? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, my gosh, I said something one time, and boy, that was a lot of energy. I don't want to be managed by those that are close to me. You, you understand know what I'm saying? Well, you got to be, you got to manage them. It's kind of like your uncle, you know, you put him in the corner at Christmas time, you know, the crazy uncle, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just don't, don't talk to him. Because you start, you know. I had a, I, matter of fact, I had an uncle, a great uncle. He, he literally got us political philosophy from Mad Magazines. <laughs> How many of y'all remember Mad Magazine? Y'all remember Mad? He literally, I mean, everything was the Russians. I'm sorry. I know there's Russians watching us, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and you didn't want to ask him any question because, I mean, he would just start. I mean, I, by the end of the discussion, I was a full-blooded communist in his eyes. And I'm like 11. Are y'all with me? My point is, is there anybody close enough to both see it 
and say it. Jethro risked something in that relationship. He said something. He said something to his friend. I thank God in my life that there's been men in my life, the relationships in my life that, and it's not easy. Relationships aren't easy. They're not easy. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, you know, he's a Christian guy. He says, Pat, I said, man, well, I, I ain't seen you. Wow, you know, I, I've given up on human relationships. It's just me and God. Again, that sounds spiritual, but it's actually foolish. Because here's the truth. Remember Jesus? It's pretty kind of, it's a big deal. When Jesus was going through his toughest time, what did he do? Even Jesus, Right? In the Bible, all of his words are in red, Jesus. What did he do when he's in the garden of Gethsemane? What did he do? He brought with him Peter, James, and John. If Jesus himself needed friends, how much more do we? I'm going to close. I'm going to give you guys three or four points about relationships. This is so critical. It's so germane to living a healthy life. Most people that explode, and blow up at a point in their life. There was no one either close enough or they didn't feel permission to say it to you, but they saw it. Just remember this. People see it. Oh, yes, they do. They see it. They see it. But can they say it? Can they say it? Let me give you guys four things. Y'all learn anything so far? Four things I'm going to give you out of the book of Ecclesiastes, and then we'll close. I'll, I'll teach you again next week. And this, all this series you'll put together and it's about how to have healthy habits that we all need. I need them. We all need them. Here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, what I believe is some of the greatest wisdom in the Bible about relationships. Watch what the scripture says. Solomon says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. We're talking about how to build these Jethro-Moses relationships. How do I have somebody in my life? What are the practical skills, pastor, I need? Two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him, woe to him who is alone when he falls. We're all going to come in points where we, where we stumble, where we, where, 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 where we go through adversity, where we go through challenge, where we go through trouble. All of us are going to go through that. I have. Nobody's exempt. Jesus went through it. But woe to that person that's alone when they go through it, for he has no one to help him up. Of course, gender neutral, he or she, they have no one to help them up. Again, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Look at verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand them. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I love verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward. You know what the reward means? It's actually a dividend on a wise investment. I want to say that some of you guys are brilliant. All of our campuses brilliant with finances, and you need to be. The Bible talks about being a wise steward, but the greatest return on investment is not financial. It's relational. Because when you have friends, look, the saddest thing that I've ever seen is when I go visit somebody in the hospital right before they die when they're alone. And I'm not talking about because their spouses preceded them. I'm talking about there's no friends. They're alone. At that point, and I say this respectfully, you don't put, you know, your Charles Schwab statements up or your whatever statement or whatever's in. I don't know if that one closed or not, but you don't put any of that stuff. You, you, you have friends and family that are close. That, that, that defines whether or not somebody succeeded. Wow. That's an investment that pays big time. Let me give you a couple things. Number one, a real friend helps you when you're down. 
They help you when you're down. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. Woe to him who's alone when he falls. There is a difference between acquaintances and friends. A friend you have given permission. Listen to me. A friend you have given permission to not only see it, but to say it. Let me say that again. You have given permission to a friend. How do you define acquaintance? An acquaintance never calls you out. They may call you up, but they don't call you out. A friend calls you out because they love you. Because they've gone down that road before that bridge is out, and they don't want your life to be destroyed. They love you to build you, but they also love you to warn you. There's both. Are you with me? There's, there, there, there's both involved in that. Jethro risked something. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This guy Moses is a big deal. Oh, can you imagine the day when he risked that deal? But they're there. They're there to encourage. They're there to build. But that they're also there to speak truth. Number two, a real friend provides emotional and physical warmth when the world is cold. How I many you know, and I say this respectfully, this world is tough. It's tough. It's tough out there, man. And we need some people that will come behind us and that will build us and that will encourage us. And we all face circumstances. And, I, and, and, and that's why I, I want to be around those that, yes, that will lovingly confront me, but also will, will encourage me, that will, that will build me. When, I, when somebody gets close, when I, I've got friends in my life, it's not easy. And let me tell you, with social media today, golly, and I say this respectfully, but my heavens, people are cruel on that. Cruel just horrible. I mean, they say things about people. It's like, everybody's got a platform. Now that everybody, see, what social media does gave everybody a voice to say whatever they want with no filter. They just say whatever they want. Just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh, that felt good. At least I can do that. Man, that's awesome. Well, where's the, where, where's the filter? Where's the, are, are you with me? Just come on. There's, there's, but so that, so, so, so people get hurt and they get barbs in them and they get stuck and they get popped and they get boosh. And so there's nothing, there's nothing, everything's open and everybody's, there's 360 reviews of everybody all the time at all moments. Is there anybody there that adds and multiplies your life, not subtracts and divides your life? Is there anybody there that, 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 that can provide that for you? You, you and I have got to be willing to allow them to get close though. And that's the caveat. Because friendship takes work. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of, I'm sorry. It's a lot of, I didn't mean that. It's a lot. I heard somebody say this about marriage. Marriage is not who's right. It's what's right. What's right is reconciliation. Let me tell you, if you want a terrible marriage, hold on to who's right. You can be right and wrong at the same time. You may be right, but you want to sleep by yourself. <laughs> Guess what? You lose. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. What's right is reconciliation. There's a lot. Do you know how many times the guys on our team, uh, by the way, there's this old adage, you know, don't get close to those that work with you, man. I, well, who, so I'm going so to have a wall up the whole time? I can't act like that. I'm just, I'm full blown. The, the guys that are on our team, we're wide open with one another. And I don't go in there all the time. Saying, you know I'm the boss. You know I'm the pastor. I did, we're all friends. I know my role. But I thank God that people are close enough to me to love me, to encourage me, to get But it takes work. There's a lot of, I'm sorry. Are y'all with me? There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of, let's go sit and talk. Let's work through this. I didn't mean that. What do you mean? I, and that's why sometimes people go, this is just too much. Ooh. 
Sheesh. You're going to be alone. It's tough. A real friend is there to protect you. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. These words were written based upon the military strategy of the ancient world. All combat, almost all combat in the, in the, in, in the ancient world was hand-to-hand. You, you guys know it's, this is really cool. You know the, the, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6? You know what I'm talking about, the, the armor of God? You know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, all this stuff. Notice what is uncovered. What's uncovered? Your back. Why is that? Because in the ancient world, combat, hand-to-hand combat, one of the greatest strategies is that you would get back-to-back with your friend. And you'd fight this way, and they would fight this way. And guess what? They would have your, everybody say it, back. See, a friend not only has your front and is with you in the good times, but a friend is there in your bad times. They're there to guard your back. Not Not to capitalize on when you're down, but to actually to build you up when you're down. To help you. To encourage you. To lift you. To protect you. There is a fine art and relationship of... It's a lost word in our culture called loyalty. And you want to be a good friend to somebody. What does that mean? You're with them. It doesn't mean that you deny the reality when they get off the chain and they start going crazy and that you don't say anything. But it also means that when they're down, it also means that, that when things are coming against them, you're willing to throw your hat and say, hey, man, I'm with you in the good and in the bad. Are, are you with me? I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm for you. I'm, I'm in this with you. I'm in this with you. My son was at his football meeting yesterday, and the coach, he's a great coach, he's talking about the principle of being loyal to one another, your team, to, to, to be with your team, and, and, you're, and you're for your team. And, you're, and I was just listening, I thought, that, that, is, that, that is a lost word in our culture. That's a friendship word. It's a friendship word. Because it costs you something, doesn't it? It costs you something. In, an, in a day and age when we can delete, add friends, and lose friends, let's never... Let's never lose that art of being that. Let me give you the last and final thing, and I'll close. A friend is committed in helping you grow and move forward in life. A true friend. Watch this, verse 12, a threefold cord. What do you mean by, pastor, what does the Bible mean by a threefold cord is not easily brought? What does it mean by that? It's interesting. I've had relationships that are, I've had friendships with, with, with people throughout the years. But when I have a God friendship where God is really central, where there's a God component, listen to me, it's not to deny professional relationships. It's not to deny that if you're saved or you have a relationship with somebody that's unsaved, what I'm about to say does not invalidate that. But I'm going to tell you the best is when you're connected to somebody and God is that threefold part of that cord. There's something about a godly relationship. There's something about that. There's something about that because when God's involved, God will prick your heart when you're not right. You know what I'm talking about? You, you've heard me say that before. My famous the line was when, when, when Jennifer and I were arguing one time as one, we was in our marriage as years ago, probably 40. And so we were, we were arguing. And, and she, she said, you just need to go pray about that. You know, and I did. I said, and I was over there and I was praying. I, the first thing I said, God, you better be talking to her too. That's all I got to say, God. What's the point? There's an appeal to a third part of that core. See, when God's involved in your relationships, when you're reading that scripture, it's hard to have. It's, 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 
It's hard to hold unforgiveness when you're reading this Bible. It's hard. It's hard to maintain bitterness. There's so much about forgive, release, bless. You're like, God, I wish that wasn't in there. So you think, I'll just read something else. I'll read the book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah. None of that's in there. And then it's, ah, then it scares you. You jump back over to Matthew. You know what I'm talking about. You get back. I'll do the forgiveness thing. I promise. I promise. There's something about marriage when God is the third part of that cord. There's something about men-to-men relationships when it's a godly relationship. There's something about women-to-women relationships when there's something about a threefold cord. You guys know that, how ropes are made, and there's this, that third part. There's something about it exponentially strengthens the bond when there's a third part that is weaved together. There's that, that third, and it's, and it's you, me, and God. There's something about that. There's something about God being in the middle. When God's in the middle of our friendship. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. A godly friend not only tells you the bridge is out, but also believes with you to shoot for the goals that God's put in your heart. A godly friend not only warns you and loves you enough to warn you, but also encourages you and says, man, go for it. Even achieve greater than myself. They don't get mad when you get a house. They don't have a house. They don't get mad when you get the promotion and they didn't get the promotion. No, 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 no. Because they know that God's with you, that God's for you, that God's championing you, and you're winning this together because God is in the middle. How many of y'all are grateful for godly relationship? God's relationship. So I'll close with this. It's an art. It takes time. We need to be open. Is there anybody close enough to you that sees it that has permission to say it, to say it? Let me pray for you.